Ba-bam! We're rolling. Space. Yep, we are Just going. Rolling. I'm, I'm they like... Hate <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like that's pretty much your life as a road cyclist. <laughs> they see me rolling. They hate me. <laughs> yes, they yeah, that, that actually is probably drivers. a little too accurate. Maybe. Oh man, I had some like ridiculous driving crap today. Like, what in a car? It is not even worth getting into. But it was just like, like what? Like what the hell, people? What is wrong with you? Like, chill out. Yeah, people are thought, insane in cars. Yeah. I was actually talking about this with someone. Uh, I think over the weekend at dinner in that like people get this idea in their head that they want to teach someone a lesson yeah they, yeah exactly they get this uh, yeah there's like between that and the other thing that happens and this is like a big boston thing that like drives me crazy is people will do all kinds of crazy things to like get in front of the next car like through the light you know as it turns red or whatever my life like, is over if i don't do this ah yeah, and it's like it's like this is going to have virtually no consequences on the time it takes you to reach your destination. Like you're vastly increasing the danger of this situation. Already the most dangerous thing that pretty much any normal person does in the course of their daily life is operating a motor vehicle. And it's like you make it so much worse for essentially no gain. It's mm-hmm. bonkers. It's like oh, yeah, it's one of those things that it's like it's so amoral and it's like we have the tools to you know we could we could crack down on this if we cared but no boston is this cesspool of just like insane bad behavior that puts people's lives and and health in danger for for absolutely no reason i i also feel like driving would be a whole lot safer if more people just uh understood that like nothing mattered and everything yeah was exactly it's like and it then really they wouldn't doesn't pass matter if you get to, to wherever you're going. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, like five seconds earlier than you were going to. I think if people just yeah, embrace the nothingness a little bit more, there would be yep. a yeah, lot have... fewer road deaths. Like it really, really, really doesn't matter, guys. It it's just okay. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing today actually it was basically someone was like super aggressively trying to merge, like you know, uh, you know, past past their point in the zipper. Right. They're trying to beat the zipper. And they're like basically trying to bully. It's like trying to someone trying to bully someone off a wheel, you know, in a race. Yep. Where they're like, "I want this wheel," and I'm just like, "Why do you want this wheel?" Yeah, they're like trying to gutter you for a wheel. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, just get, just get behind me. Who cares, dude? What are you doing? <laughs> like, so weird. Yeah, and and it's like none of it, none of it matters. It not, it just doesn't matter because it's like, okay, you've gained literally the twenty feet of space that is involved in passing my little Honda Fit, like. Okay, big win. <laughs> like, congratulations. Uh, all right, enough of that nonsense. Uh, all right, traffic. Traffic is uh, weather and traffic. Those are the things we talk about. And it was actually pretty nice today, by the way. The traffic. Oh yeah, weather was excellent today. The weather. The traffic. The traffic was. The traffic was garbage, but the weather was. Uh, you know, it was nice. That's good. All right. So current current events. Um, well, should uh, we uh, should we tell people what they're listening to just in case. Uh, like someone else downloaded this for them, and they're like, "What's going on?" or whatever. What is this? In, in case, in, in case, like the title of the podcast isn't on their podcast playing app. Yeah, I mean, I don't really choice. know how computers work. Like, I just want to be. I well, just they like be walk safe. into. They Things walk happen into a inside room right at the beginning the of uh, a program, and yeah, they don't know. Well, it's the Honest Bicycle Program. We can introduce ourselves. I'm Greg. I'm Francis. And I'm Matteo. Oh, what do you know? And uh, That's this, who we are. Th- we're, we're coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network, and this episode is brought to you uh, by Health IQ, which is a life insurance company that celebrates the health conscious, including cyclists. Oh, Matthew, you are such a pro. Keep going. Don't let me interrupt. <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> uh, to our listeners, uh, you can visit healthiq.com slash honestbicycle. Uh, to learn more about them, you can get a free quote on life insurance. You can check out their life insurance FAQ page, get your questions answered. Uh, they do some really cool stuff. You know, they, they don't um, measure BMI as a measure of health, but like other more accurate things like uh, waist to hip ratio. Um, since I know that there are a lot of athletic people out there who, you know, for whom uh, BMI is not a reliable sort of indicator of health. Let's say, let's say baloney. It's, it's baloney. It's, it was meant as a population metric, not as an individual yeah. one. It's pretty good as a population metric, actually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah and, anyway. and people oh. aren't dinged for having a low resting heart rate. Um, 
they take some extra measures to address low carb dieters that uh i can't even believe that's a thing yeah sorry i'm full of i'm just the peanut gallery all, all about that paleo <laughs> gotta get that paleo right gotta get paleo. that paleo um yeah so you know and it's a it's a it's a company that uh just really focuses on um in providing sort of really high quality uh life insurance options for athletic people and taking the sort of special circumstances that people like us have into consideration uh visit healthiq.com slash honest bicycle get a free quote um we're really grateful that they're supporting us and that they're supporting the wide angle podium network Hooray. Yes, we are. Thank you. And yeah, go click on that. Check it out. Um, you know, it's it's helpful even if you choose not to uh, purchase life insurance. Just just look at it. They, they see where you're coming from. So uh, we like that because that makes them decide that the wide angle podium is worth continuing to support. And uh, yeah, we're into that. Okay. Uh, all right. Now that we've, uh, yeah, so you know that we're brought to you by Health IQ or the Wide Angle Podium Network. Now I guess we should probably talk a little bit about current events. So you guys, uh, any anything? Any any news to report? Gosh, has there been anything exciting happening in bike racing recently? Recently, lately. I mean, I, I think a bike race happened this weekend in the overseas area. Oh, I, oh, overseas. Because see, I was thinking it was like Marblehead, but no, Isn't Marblehead it also Marblehead? happened. But it is Marblehead, yeah. It is, yeah, Marblehead. Also, yeah. why does a Marblehead have a women's field? Uh, that is very. Uh, is that uh, just a- no? All right, I mean, we, we don't no. have to get into it. It's more of just an aside, because I put the Marblehead results up today on road results for my job at Bike uh, Ridge, and I looked at it, and I was like, why no women's field? So, yeah, I don't know. I've heard a couple different things about it, uh, and basically the two things are, well, A, that they don't have um, a lot of time, and so they choose to do these fields that would make, it more money because they run it as a fundraiser it's kind of those two things really like fundraiser and whatever which um fundraiser for the ccb cycling team uh i'm not sure that running a bike race as a fundraiser makes a heck of a lot of sense no maybe not but it's more just the like okay so you've chosen to exclude women (laughs) you've made this you've made this choice regardless of what your reasons are yeah, I, I yeah, I think it's it's suffice to say that I don't think any of us think that now in 2017 that there's a particularly good reason anymore to run a road race that doesn't have at least I mean come on not even a token women's field like open just like a women's open field. Um, yeah. But yeah, oh, uh, something interesting that happened to me at work today. If we're going to talk about uh, sexism in cycling, before we jump into the bike race that happened overseas. Oh yes. Um. So just as a general PSA, I believe I put this out on uh, on Twitter this morning. Um. And Colin, one of the developers of Bike Reg, also backed me on this. Is that if you're writing into a company via email or via phone, any communication really, do not assume that whatever department of said company you are going to interact with is entirely one gender <laughs> dear sir because it is it's it's like it's super subtle and it's like one of those like oh i wasn't trying to be sexist but it's like when you write into an entire department and refer to everyone as boys or like gents or like all right here's the results gents it's like come on man it's like i i want to write back to you like here's your results and i'm a woman thanks it's like I love being casually excluded from my job. Yeah, that's not cool. It's like, uh, oh, okay, cool. Apparently, uh, you wanted uh, one of my male coworkers to upload this for you, so I will not <laughs> upload your results for you. Didn't do that, by the way. I'm a professional. I uploaded the results, but yeah, it just just as like a PSA. It's like it's pretty subtle, and I'm not saying the person who did it was a douchebag because it's not necessarily a douchebag doesn't make you a douchebag to do this but it's a it's a douchey thing to do so just be aware just don't well, i don't and then this goes the other way as well it's like don't assume that like a stereotypical women's profession is like nurses don't, don't, yeah don't like write in hey and be ladies like, hey ladies well can you uh, check out what's going on with my elbow and like you know maybe a man is gonna write back and be like sure i can help you with your elbow i'm a nurse <laughs> so yeah just please don't don't assume any any specific uh, department or profession is all one gender, or that you and that gender that 
you also find yourself in the club of the gender club. I made that up. Gender club. Um, and you're all like gender club. It just it just feels too much like the treehouse. You do anything like, Thursday? I want to go down to the gender club. Yeah, the gender club. It's like the no girls allowed treehouse. It's like nope, girls are mm-hmm. stupid. Only boys allowed in the clubhouse. <laughs> but anyway, Ugh. that's that's my that's my PSA. Get I got really pissed off of about it this morning. Girls. I did a bunch of pull ups at work. It was great. Yes, yes. Were they like rage pull ups? Uh, yeah. I'm not very good at pull ups, so I mean, like you know, the rage kind of peters out after six or seven. <laughs> We could we could probably have a bad at pull-ups competition, <laughs> you and me. Uh, I'm trying to get better. My work is having a uh, a pull-up competition for April, so I'm, I'm taking this as my opportunity to get better at pull-ups. <laughs> I feel like so so your game so your I, I feel like your game plan there is going to be like more power to weight, right? So yeah yeah just just more like, more pull-ups yeah. to anything else is the ratio. <laughs> well, right, but I mean in terms of like you know you're not gonna you're not working with like gigantic you know biceps so much as like you want to you know have more bicep power per pound i just want to be able to do a pull-up i cannot yet do an unassisted pull-up so i'm i'm that's my goal i'm aiming for that all right well that's a good goal i have noodle cyclist arms i believe in you i believe in you me too (laughs) i gotta get back to doing my like core and upper body stuff it's very important um all right well that's that's thank you for that friends that is very important and yep uh, that's my be aware of uh that's my don't be a douchebag psa done yes I hear your annoying experience with a Hey Boys email. And I say, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I concur. Okay. So, Matteo, do you have any anything to... Uh, are we talking about bike racing now? Is that what we're going to do? Let's talk about the happening? Tour of Flanders. Ah, which one? Well, so here's the thing. I mean, you know, after uh, yesterday's bicycle racing, obviously there's been a whole bunch of uh, angry uh, speculation and finger-pointing happening uh, about about things that people chose to do, things that happened out there on the road, and, uh... Are we calling it Jacket Gate? Oh, see, I was talking about Anna Vanderbregen. Francis! Come on, Francis. You fell into the trap! I know, you set set it up so nicely for me, and I fell right (laughs) into the hole. (laughs) Oh, you thought he was gonna do a skyhook, and then it was a layup! No, I'm just in a pit. I don't even know what I just said. I just suddenly entered a fugue state. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's let's March Madness. let's do it Sorry, all. Like, I, Continue. I, I really want to get to. I really want like I, I I think that you know the the most important story coming out of this weekend is Corinne Rivera uh, winning the Tour of Flanders because I think it was uh, such a remarkable victory. I think it was a super exciting race. Uh, there's there's solid coverage out there, videos on YouTube for people who haven't caught the Women's Tour of Flanders. Um, and I think the the story of Corinne Rivera, who has won a jillion races in the United States. Um, oh yeah, and then you know she's been power started, since she like, was like leveling 15. up to Euro. Yeah. Oh, since she was younger than fifteen, I feel. But, like. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So maybe fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And she's still young. What is she like? Twenty two now? Twenty three? Uh, she's twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. <laughs> Not much older than that, but older than that. Yeah. But yeah, she's been good. Well, I mean, she took a little break for a little while, actually, um, for a year or two, and then in when she was at marion college one of those powerhouse cycling colleges she yeah started racing again and actually she was she won sunny king the year i went down there which was pretty cool mm-hmm. um kind of on her comeback year and it was it was pretty cool and it's awesome to see her now racing uh in europe and this isn't even her first big win of the season but i mean it is the biggest yeah she won trofeo alfredo binda a week or two ago maybe two two weeks ago three weeks ago somewhere i think it's there. two weeks but yeah um, yeah or three i don't know sometime but it's awesome it's really cool yeah and I just think it's, really... it's so cool to see, you know, to see an American, not, not, uh, well, obviously they're like American women, I think, performing at a super high level um, in bike racing around the world, which is exciting. Um, I think that, you know, we've tended to produce like time trialists and climbers and stage racers. And so it's really cool seeing this like sprinter win this classic uh, in this way. Um, and I think it's awesome to see a woman of color take a, a victory of that, uh, that's also true. It's worth mm-hmm. it's worth tracking down that um, finish. By the way, to get the helicopter shot, so you can see what a baller oh ass God. sprint that was. Yeah. It's like four women just like essentially in a straight line across the road, like just chewing on their stems. <laughs> to the, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was like holy, like it, half a wheel, not half a wheel. It was a whole wheel, half a bike length win, but it was like not. It was a close sprint, and it was like a 
any number of them could have taken it was it was a hard sprint and she had to she had to eat wind on the windy side in order to move up so she like sort of did a double launch you know she she jumped to move up and then launched from the front and uh uh, really it was just a it's just an incredible display you know i mean it's it's also beautiful when sprinters win by suddenly appearing right but when you do this kind of like... Ah, uh, a wild sprinter appeared. <laughs> basically. And sometimes it is. Sometimes you can... Sometimes I have to watch like helicopter footage like three or four times in order to figure out like where somebody was at 250 meters to go because they like scoot through and scoot through and all of a sudden with 50 meters to go, they, they sort of hit the front and appear and dart out and win the bike race. But, you know, I, I think there's an extra level of uh, impressiveness to... To, to really be laying down the power from a long way out. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so here's a question, because you, you started with uh, mentioning controversy about uh, Amonique Van Vluten in, in the break. So so what was, what's up with that? What was going so on? So it's actually uh, Anna van der Breggen. Oh, sorry, not Amonique Van Vluten. Um, it's okay, because uh, Amonique Van Vluten was there, so you'd be... I knew she was there. I, I just watched the, like, the last few K, so, and, and she was like i don't know doing something and i heard her name and uh oh by the way the uh uh announcing of, of the video on at least on youtube the, like the live stream was done by rochelle gilmore and um i i guess we can at least say acquaintance of the show um sarah Connolly of uh, at pw cycling on twitter the unofficial professional women's cycling weblog and, and you should be following her for all of your women's cycling oh yeah and stuff. she's incredible She's awesome. Super so, knowledgeable, so, yeah. super thoughtful, just a, a total uh, deep fan and nerd and appreciator of the sport. Uh, might be the most knowledgeable cycling fan I know of, actually. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's crazy how deep her knowledge of it is. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so that's worth checking out. Um, but yeah, so so she was... Uh, Okay, not Von Vluten. Uh, Anna Vanderbrink. Yeah, so, <laughs> there so, we go. Well, so there was, uh, you know, late in the race it, with, I don't know, 25K to go, uh, um, thereabouts, uh, four women broke away, and, and it was Anna Vanderbregen, who's an Olympic gold medalist, she's kind of a big deal, uh, with Elisa Longo-Borghini, um, Kachini Odoma, uh, and, and Annemiek Van Vluten. And they've got... I don't know. I, I you know, I, I actually only watched it once, so forgive me if I'm a little bit hazy on some of the details, but I think they got like over 20 seconds. And these are I mean, these are four ballers. Like this is the move, you know, for people who are more familiar with men's racing. This is like, you know, you tune into the end of Flanders and there's like Sagan, Van Avermet, Van Mark and I don't know, pick one from Quick Step, whatever, right? Um Boonin, yeah, whatever. And uh Inside the last 10 or 15 kilometers, Vanderbregen, who I would pick as the out-and-out favorite from that group, uh, starts sitting on. And sitting on really hard, and uh, it turns out that she's working for Chantal Black, who's uh, back in the peloton. Um, her teammate. And, and things do come together um, for a sprint, and Black uh, gets third... So obviously, like not not the success, but her you know her her breakmates were dumbfounded that she wasn't working, and you know she said that the or the, the team said that you know that was the order from the car, and that's just it, that's a pretty like su- it's a surprising uh, order from the car, given that mm-hmm. I think many people really think that she could have won from that move. Yeah, yeah. But this is all somehow taken like backseat to this whole thing of whether or not it was Peter Sagan's fault that you know he crashed into a jacket. Oh God! Which which <laughs> I will say I will say like I got involved in a Twitter argument, and then like thoroughly twenty minutes afterward, I was like, I don't, I don't care. Like I have an opinion, but I don't care who shares it <laughs> or what somebody else's is. <laughs> the internet is uh the amazing power to amplify our giving a care oh my God. even when it doesn't exist it's like it takes trace amounts of giving a care and then turns it into you know huge burn the world down <laughs> giving a care yeah it's very you know it's like uh 
the internet was like the Manhattan Project for opinions. <laughs> so, I mean, for a minute, like, like I was out. like, "Yeah, I'm gonna die on this hill." Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've all had that. We've all had that moment. Yeah. But you were so you were talking about I don't know. So, so basically, there was some weird weird tactics going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I've maybe a little bit of a I don't know, maybe not a rant about tactics, but but maybe maybe we could talk a little bit about tactics and when they matter and when they don't or how they matter and how they don't. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't know. Have you guys noticed? Um, it seems like there's this really. Uh, it's become this like really widespread belief that seems to have sort of sp- made its way into I don't know on online cycling fandom um, that that basically tactics like race tactics are like magic a magic bullet. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like if you have a strategic genius and you do exactly the right moves, like you're playing a game of chess, then you will win the race. Yeah. And, like, a good example of this uh, from men's pro racing from a few years back was um, the 2011 Liège-Bastogne-Liège. At the end of the race, um, uh, Philip Gilbert was away in a move with the two Schleck brothers, Frank and Andy Schleck, uh, and ultimately um, just destroyed them in a sprint at the end. And a lot of people afterwards were saying, like, how stupid is it they didn't, you know, it was two teammates— how come they didn't gang up on him and just like attack him in series and wear him out and, and until one got away, right? And that's what everyone was asking. Um, and I don't want to make this like seem overly complicated or anything, but but I, w- I will explain why that didn't happen. Um, but you know, it's it's strange that that people seem to overlook this fact a lot. Uh, they were smoked, and and they were essentially kind of doing their token turns on the front. But in in that race, Gilbert was flogging them just mercilessly, and on the the final like actual climb on the Cote de Saint Nicola, is that which one it mm-hmm. is? He he basically put in a gap on them just to show that he could, <laughs> and then and then let them back on his wheel to go the rest of the. He was like, by the way, I can ride away from you guys at will. I think that's <laughs> and, and why, that's so there 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 are a couple things that. Like, I, I really agree with you on, but, I, you know, I've had some, some conversations with people about, like, really the difference between a lot of amateur racing mm. and the incredible endurance demands of, like, actual endurance road racing. And it's not, you know, it's not like Gilbert at that point is doing, like, millions and millions and millions of watts. It's just that six hours into the race, he's able to, like, keep riding at... I don't know, the low end of his threshold or whatever after, you know, after all of these climbs. Yeah. Right. Or like high tempo or whatever. Like he's just able to keep going and like cracking isn't when, you know, you jump and do a, you know, 35 mile an hour attack and someone can't follow you. Cracking is when like you just keep on riding your pace and the person with you like falls into a hole and dies. Yep. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think, yeah, it's just that I think that people kind of under, don't really understand, which seems weird, because I haven't done these races, right? I haven't done these 200 and 250 kilometer road races, but, like, there's a very large extent to which these races are, like, dudes, like, standing in a circle that someone's kicked into the dirt and just slugging each other in the face and seeing who falls over first, <laughs> like, that is, like that really is elite professional, you know, especially with the race distances involved men's cycling. Like it, it's, you know, and there is tactical considerations, right, of like who you have in the break so they can fall back and help, or you know, if you have more cards to play so that people have to chase it, and that, those things all matter. Uh, but you know, there's the famous saying everyone kind of knows about is right, uh, les têtes et les jambes. Uh, which is French for and uh, for badly pronounced French for the head and the legs, right? So it's not just your legs that you win the race with, but your head. But so, some people seem to have taken to overemphasizing the other side of that uh, balance, right? Which is that oh well, it's all the head. But it's like right with, with the Schleck brothers, these guys aren't—they're um, not chess pieces. Uh, chess pieces don't get tired. 
It's uh, true. Bike bike racers get tired, you know, and and that and that matters. And I mean, you know, and Jill Bear in 2011 is such a great example because that guy during Arden's Week, those three races, right? These three hard classic races, um, you know, starting already, you know, in the space of a week, you have Amstel Gold Race with tons of climbs, um, and then you have uh, Flesh Wallone in the middle of the week with this, you know, big climb every lap that you finish on. And then you have Liege Bastogne Liege with tons of climbs. Oh, and it's 250 kilometers long. And he'd already won the first two just easily, essentially, like as easily as you can win a race like this. And it was just, who's going to compete with this guy? So, or, or at Flanders, actually, I think it's a really great example of, of kind of how tactics and endurance and luck kind of can all come together for a win, right? So spoiler alert for the 2017 men's tour of Flanders, Philip Gilbert wins in a ridiculously long solo move. Um, like he, didn't he launch on like what the Molenberg or something ridiculous like that? Like 56 kilometers out. He went, it wasn't the um, Molenberg. Was it the Quermont? Uh, it was, it was, Oh, maybe it was the old, maybe it was the Aude de Quermont. Yeah. Um, but it was a long way out. And the thing is, um, He's on a team with Tom Bonin, who had looked to be on stellar form heading into these races, like retiring after them, and he's, he's retiring soon. And then, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting pundity. I meant to be shorter on this. Uh, and, and uh, you know, other quick step guys. But anyway, so he launches. Tom Bonin basically sits up and is like, all right, all right, players, <laughs> like your move. Uh, and, and so he, the thing is that what this set up is you've got this card – um, you know, in Gilbert being out there, who's a legitimate threat who you have to take seriously, being on such a long solo move. But Boonin is going to sit on everything you do. And oh, by the way, Boonin's shown he's on good form. Um, and so that's awesome, right? You got two cards to play. Well, then, uh, Boonin, like right at the critical mo- moment, at like the foot of the Tyenberg, as uh, Sagan goes for it. Was it the Tyenberg? I don't even remember. Yeah, it was, it was the Tyenberg. And yeah, Sagan. It was the Tyenberg. And Sagan goes for it, and Tom Bowden's chain, chain jams, and he mechanicals off of Sagan's wheel just at the crucial moment, and then has to wait forever for a bike change. The first bike is no good. He has to get a second one. Like that's, So he's out. You know, he's just like right at the critical moment, he mechanicals, and he's out of the, the race, really. Uh, and so you think, oh, crap. Like, now... Uh, uh, Gilbert, you know, they don't have a second card to play, and it's just like, can Gilbert hold it? And you're, we're thinking, everyone's thinking, oh, he's going to hold it. And then it's, ooh, I don't know, it's looking dicey. But then there's this crazy freak crash, you know, Jacket Gate, hashtag Jacket Gate. <laughs> on, um, uh, the, oh, crap. The, um, it was on the, it was not on the, the Potterberg, wasn't it? The Yeah, I guess it was the Potterberg. It's like the, the, the one of the pair of cons. I think it's the Potterberg, yeah. And it's, or the one before it, actually. But anyway, the, the Quermont, um, Whatever. I don't know. I'm bad at the hill. I'm remembering which hill was which. Uh, but yeah, the Jack of Gate and the crash and like um, Peter Sagan ends up in this like adorable, loving, spooning um, pose with the poor AG2R rider just behind him, um, which, which you know, as I noted, is going to be in the permanent canon of cycling. Cycling's images shared around as jokes on Twitter. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and, and then it's like all of a sudden the calculus changes once again because one of the strong guys who could bring him back potentially is out. And, and just, you know, it ends up working out, but it's like, on the other hand, they could have been, Quick Step could have been screwed. And people would have said, oh, well, Quick Step sure fucked that up and managed to lose a race yet again um, when, eh, you know, there's a lot going on. So, anyway, lots of things play into winning a race, and tactics are part of it. Sorry, that, that ended up being longer than I meant it to be. Well, the, it, it, the one more comment I do have on that, by the way, is is with respect to Matty, you mentioned amateur races and tactics in them. And um, there's a bit of a misconception, you know, especially if you talk to people who have been in like a, you know, Cat 4, 5, sometimes a Cat 3, 4, Race 2, where people are like, oh, that race was really tactical, right? And what they mean is that race was kind of slow and surgy and no one really wanted to take responsibility. <laughs> uh, and these things aren't actually synonyms at all. Right, so people think so. It's kind of this misconception that tactics mean people are looking around and no one kind of wants to move and take responsibility for the race. But <laughs> kind of like when people know, say a cross race is technical just because the course is annoying and bad. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, there's all these ninety degree turns and like it's super slow. Ugh, um, you know, it's really technical. And it's like, eh, no, it's just it's just annoying because you can't pass anyone ever. 
Um, you know, there's like a bunch of turns like within 10 yards of each other. So like no one can get around anyone ever. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're better at going through turns because there's no straightaway <laughs> to capitalize on having more entry speed. All right. Sorry. Rant over. Um, but back to, you know, where's it? So, so in racing tactics, you know, I've been in a few one, two, three races. Obviously, I'm, I'm a cat three, so like I don't know that much about it. But, you know, if you pay attention to what's going on in these higher cat races, um, these races are tactical and they are tactical at high speed. It is tactics is actually the it, it's kind of like the highly scientific and very exacting um, application of power to cause the most possible pain. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, the person who's, who's willing to suffer the most is usually the person who will, is going to set up to win, but... Like, that that reminds right. me of, of, Francis, your story about racing or, the Philly Cycling yeah. Classic, of just, like, all right, everyone goes ballistic up the climb, and then ballistic down it, and then ev- there are gaps everywhere, and people are just holding on for dear life on the flats. Yep, yep, yeah. exactly. It's just, just, like, I mean, like... It is a game of chess, but, like, you know, Greg is right. At the end of the day, it's really just, like, who can get punched in the face, sometimes by themselves, the most amount of times. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and, yeah, right, exactly. And the, and the point is that tactical, being tactical isn't withholding your power. Being tactical is knowing when to apply it. Right, and, and applying it a lot. Because it's like, if you yes. hold back in a race, it's like, no race has ever been won by being like, hmm, I better not. It's like <laughs> races are won by being like, okay, I tried something. I tried something really risky and I blew myself out of the water and I used a lot of power and I did it. Um, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I'll remember something Lynn Bissett said to me last year at the tour of Beverly. Um, she was like, what are you going to like, like, you got to like actually race. It's like, are you going to be conservative or get 10th place? Or are you going to take a risk and win the race? She's <laughs> like, I don't want to get 10th place. And I was like, you are Lynn Bissett. I will listen to you. That's awesome. <laughs> She, when, I was like, you, is, you just rode a motorcycle in front of front of my race, and 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 I used to love you when you were, when when I was a child, and you won all the races, and I watched you win all the races, and I was like, I need to go away now because I'm talking very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's amazing. Uh, yeah. It, by the way, like I can tell you, ninety nine point nine percent of you listening, trust me, Lynn Bissett is faster than you, <laughs> even now. Oh yeah, Linda said will blow Total your doors animal. off. So the so the thing the thing that this whole conversation about tactics has me thinking about um, is how Milan San Remo went down this year, which was you know the the group was doing its like super high speed parade up the Poggio, and then Sagan blew the doors off of everybody and opened up yeah. like the biggest gap on the Poggio that we've seen in Milan San Remo in recent years. I don't know, he had like twenty seconds at the top or something crazy. Like sometimes people attack and they have like six. And six, because yeah. it's nice to have that extra one over rounding it just to the five, right? Um, and so Sagan wound up, you know, driving Kwiatkowski and Julian Alaphilippe, both of whom took, Alaphilippe took a couple pulls, Kwiatkowski took like one, but really he, he drove them all the way to the finish. Uh, and Kwiatkowski was, looked, looked wrecked. Yeah. He, yeah, he looked like he was cooked. Yeah, and he, anyway, he, he put his data on Strava afterward, and he like, you know... Did 350 watts up the whole Poggio, or like 400 watts up the whole Poggio, which included like over 30 seconds at over 700 watts in order to bridge up to Sagan. Right, oh so like God. crazy, crazy <laughs> values. Um, high numbers, especially for a small guy. But like, you know, I I clicked to, onto some of the popular bicycle message boards uh, after that race, and people were saying that like Sagan got it wrong because he wound up getting second <laughs> oh, place, man. and he did he did everything right. It's just that like. Tactics are not, and I think this is your your point of this, tactics are not the decider. Or you can get your tactics perfectly right, and it's not going to net you a win, because bike racing is yeah. complicated. And and ultimately hard. Mm-hmm. Even if you're the very, very best bike racer in the world, which I'd say Peter Sagan, I mean, at least in the men, anyway, <laughs> which Peter Sagan is in the men. Like he's, he's, the, he's the best guy, really. Um, in terms of how strong he is and how savvy he is. But yeah, he played it exactly right. Similarly with uh, a few years ago, it was a move with Fabian Conchalar and Simon Gerensen. Was um, Nibali in that move? Yeah. Um, yeah, and and it was actually a very similar circumstance where Conchalar just drove it. And Gerens mostly kind of sat on and pipped him in the sprint. And people were like, oh, Conchalar, I got that wrong. And it's like, 
what can you do? Like, like there's no way, there's no way that move makes it without complete commitment from at least one person who's a mega engine, you know. And that's what Sagan knew that, right? And that's and, and, and you can get it right because hey, you got a podium. But if you do that, it's hard to sprint, and and you might still it's still your best shot at a high result. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, similarly, I did a I did a cross race a couple years, well, a year and a half ago, whatever. Just a cat three cross race, no big deal, right? But I hung on. I raced really hard. I raced, It was a race with a lot of drafting in it, and I, I clung on, and right at the end, I tried to attack. A guy fell over. I tried to capitalize it by attacking then, and I just, I just, I was just empty, and I got third place. Uh, I, I raced that. I raced perfectly. Like, I did essentially, except for a bad start, I should say. I, I basically did no, nothing wrong, but these guys were way stronger than me, so I got third place. You know, like, that's just how it goes. Like, what can you do? Like, you're empty at the end. You can be like, damn, I did a really good race, and it wasn't enough. And sometimes that's really frustrating, but uh, it is what it is. And, like, and I, yeah, yeah and, I, and I will say that I, I've had one, one race, um, uh, likely the, the best result of my racing career, um, last summer at T-Town, when I beat... Oh, I was thinking about this. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. so I beat two of the best probably like the two best track racing men in the country for enduros bobby lee and zach kowalczyk um by uh we were in a move of eight or nine and i just kind of attacked with oh gosh a little over 500 meters to go thereabouts or maybe a little bit more yeah a little over two laps to go six seven hundred meters um when everyone was looking at them and they were looking at each other and i was lucky enough to get a, a big enough gap that i that i held it all the way to the line um, and it, it was, it was hard, but it wasn't like I was, you know, suffering and holding on for, for dear life in that, you know, 30 second move or whatever. Um, and I, I do think that it was a race that, uh, several other, it was, that was a move that was a win that a couple other people in that move could also have done and won under, you know, under the same circumstance. I was just maybe the, right. the first person to, I didn't, I didn't even think of it. I just did it. Um, and it was a, a race that, that was won, I think, based on a sort of split-second good tactical decision, and I wasn't the strongest racer in the race. I've been racing for, like, 10 years, and, like, that's one, you know? Yeah. That's one. Yeah. Alrighty, that's probably enough of that. Uh, okay. <laughs> Whew. Uh, I don't know, Francis, you want to... What, do you have, any, have anything to bring to the table? Uh, bring to the table in terms of bike racing tactics? Well, not tactics. I meant I meant we should probably move on to uh, uh, some other subject, unless you have a... Uh, of course, if you have a closing thought. Oh, no, no. We can we can certainly move on to another subject. Um, yeah, so given that uh, it might potentially possibly be spring, I don't know. <laughs> Am I speaking too soon? Uh, no... Just best not to say anything, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like it's gonna just be like one of those cartoons where you like creep outside and like the birds are chirping and you're still in your winter coat and you're finally kind of like okay, okay, and you're like ah, take off your winter coat and then it just like dumps three feet of snow on you and you're like son of a bitch. Um, that's kind of. I'm already I'm... broken. <laughs> yeah. I'm like in the interrogation chamber and they're like, "How many lights do you see?" And they're like, "Actually." you know four lights but they're like tell me there are three lights that i'm like there are three lights i'm i'm just i'm just i'm i'm gone i know I'm winter broken. winter has hit me too many times i just basically like stuffed my head into a cupboard deep in my house on saturday and i was like if i don't look outside it's not happening it's not snowing <laughs> um no, definitely not but yeah so given that it's uh it's potentially maybe spring outside uh and that I, I I feel like I've done like the it's spring I'm gonna start doing spring riding which involves lots of shitty bikes and then it snows all over the place and I'm like okay and reset uh all right there's gonna be lots of snow melt again and uh, okay my bike's gonna get all shitted up again um so yeah basically uh I've been kind of trying to set up my bike for uh spring riding and given the amount of times that I've done this and the amount of shitty riding that I've uh, I've ridden in, as I am sure many of our listeners have ridden in as well. It's kind of tough to figure out, like, a an early spring situation for your bicycle. I don't know. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I had my, I don't know. I, I already had my, like, get furious at how disgusting my bike was and, and did the whole, like, 
like randomly and kind of uh, manically like break apart my whole drivetrain and scrub it and get like all the built up like grease paste <laughs> out of it. <laughs> and, and like now I'm done. And I was like, yay, and spring is coming. So this should be good for a while. And, and then it didn't stop. And, and I, I wept. Yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, you clean your bike and then you go out for one freaking ride and your bike is obliterated. Just like yeah. beyond, it, it's worse than when you started. When you started like a week ago, it's like you still had stuff on it from cross season. Oh man, Francis, that was last week for me. And I took it really personally because every time I left the house, it started to rain. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I took it I had personally. A, a, uh, I had a particularly crappy i can't even really call it a ride i don't really know what i would call it but uh a couple weeks ago on the weekend i went out for a for a ride quote unquote with uh powers ellen and scott and oh I look think... at look at this yeah, can, I, can, I, can, I, I can i just chime in like i don't mean to Dropping be giving you names. a hard time for this but i love when you name drop i just love it uh, <laughs> i mean i'm not trying to name drop it's just like that was the ride <laughs> um, it was it was powers ellen and scott and and Trevor and me, and, and you know, we we all like roll out from our house. Powers meets us at the house, and it's like starting to drizzle because we're idiots, and oh, we waited God. until until noon ride when the weather had said it's gonna rain, and we're like in okay, the in the foolish it. hope that it will be warmer at noon. Than or it, not like even that. Nine. I think we're just lazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we roll out, and I mean, like my situation right now is basically like I. Brought my cross bike out of uh, last season's retirement, and I kind of had this weird. I had my like really old power tap wheel on it with a Michelin Pro Four from like three years ago that was just like full of little cuts and holes and was super dry. And then I had a cross tire on the front, which is like oh, the God. total like hobo don't care situation. <laughs> and then I'd like somehow like zip tied a really crappy fender to the back of my bike. Like it was it was a Jerry situation for sure. Um, and so we get rolling, and we hit the dirt, um, and I'm like, I have a flat. And they're like, okay, cool, we'll we'll circle around. So I'm trying to, like, take this damn fender off, which is, like, stuck on my um, dropouts and, like, zip-tied in weird places. And finally, Trevor and I, like, get the tube in, which I mean, like, I'm pretty fast at getting tubes in, but not when I'm just grumpy and it's raining on me and my fender's in the way. <laughs> and... So we start pumping it up, and it just blows up. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Aww. that's it's a, funny because you're And at this time, now. they, like, Ellen Scott and Powers are rolling back around, and I was like, that was a sign. I'm going home. <laughs> and so I leave them. I'm like, go. Go on without me. Leave me here to die. I mean, I was, I was like, two, two miles from my house. But they were <laughs> the coldest two miles ever, because I'm riding on my rim. I'm like, I'll just roll back to the house, and it's raining, and it's like 34 degrees. So, of course, I was like, this won't be bad. I'm very close to my household. And by the time I get back, I'm soaked and frozen, and I have a flat tire, and I was just so grumpy about the whole situation. But, so, to remedy this, um, I then put uh, some Paneracer Pacellas on, which have been Ah. much better. I like those much better. They're twenty eights, so and those actually, are like the uh, best $20 tires out there. Yeah, and oh, I'm just yeah. like... There's no competition. I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to plug the, the Pacellas or anything necessarily, but like Scott rides these all the time. And so he's always like, oh man, my Pacellas are so awesome. So <laughs> Trevor and I got Pacellas, and I mean, definitely was sorely needed for my tire situation and my lack of bike I actually have no problem picturing like Scott Smith, like really like fervently... <laughs> He loves like promoting Panaracer. His Panaracer Pacellas being just like super enthusiastic about like he should be on like the poster. Oh yeah, know, for, for but I mean like they're they're a great early season tire. It's because it's like you know they're they're pretty thick and like the twenty eights are great for riding around in New England when you're like well, um, there's a bunch of widowmakers all over the place, which is what I call the giant potholes that open up after <laughs> the frost, <laughs> frost heaves start to melt. Because literally, if you go into them, you will flip over your handlebars. Um, but they're also like a, they're pretty fast. They're like a fast no, they're like they tire. feel good. Like they're fast. They feel good. They come in and skin maybe wall. it's because I was riding oh, yeah, like a awesome. really old yeah. Michelin Pro Four and a cross tire at the same time. But I switched onto them and I was like, oh, this is nice. 
<laughs> um, I feel like I feel like a Michelin Pro Four pretty much sees a you know not like a slightly sharp edge on a stone and just like opens up. It's just like nope, fuck it, I give up. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have like. some kicking around that are like still in my like you know circle of spare tires that like they're forever old or or some pro race threes that are like 10 years old forever old that's not how that song goes forever old i yeah this oh man spring stuff i actually had it was not nearly so bad because i didn't flat or anything like that but i i similarly went out like last weekend or whatever not this past weekend but the one before and I, it was it was gonna be like a ride and i thought oh it's the rain's not gonna come because i'd also put it out to to put it off too long but it's like it'll be fine and it's like almost 50 degrees at my house it's like 47 degrees but of course i, I like ride out from the i'm like on the edge of the urban heat island so i ride out into dover and like immediately the temperature is like 35 degrees and i'm <laughs> not wearing enough gloves and there's no sun and I'm like trying to do my little kind of sub threshold interview intervals on this kind of mamby pamby stupid ride. And I'm just like, my hands are cold. I had to put on a second pair of gloves that I'd luckily brought, but it was too late because I, you know, my hands were already cold. And they were never going to warm up. And I was just like, oh, I hate my life. And, yep. and, it's it's and, the, the hate your, the hate your life ride. Yeah. And I, I like pull up and I'm like, finally, I'm like, I've, I've looped back to like Dover center of like, my hands are falling off. I have to go in and get a coffee. So I go in and I like pay the stupid like $2 surcharge in the ATM because they don't only take cash. And I, I get the coffee and I'm warm and I go outside and it's raining. I'm just like, it's 37 degrees and it's raining. I'm just like, I, uh. so it's like I tempo all the way home because I'm like the hell with this. You know, my, you know, but that was much better on the way home. But yeah, before that, my feet, my toes were just like ice and my hands were even worse. And then like the next day or whatever, I'm like, or, or someday later in the week, I'm like, I'm going to do a loop around the Blue Hills and it's going to be fine because I'm going to be near home. and It's going to be warmer. And it was like exactly the same thing. And I'm like <laughs> trying to do my interval. Like it's like a big stretch of this loop is downhill. And like I'm trying to do tempo down this hill. And so I'm going like 35 miles per hour and uh like my privates are basically frozen i'm just like there's nothing worse than trying to pedal hard with a frozen wing wing like it's just no good so uh I think but we yeah the name it's of just like a, a frozen wing wing <laughs> yes. uh, but it's funny how we get uh amnesia of these experiences though <laughs> yeah. i mean because like you know we we all have just countless memories of these experiences of going on these rides and like you finish and you get home and you're just like that sucked there's no way to paint that any other way bad was bad hate biking why i do this and then <laughs> somehow like the next day you're like oh let's go for a bike ride that sounds like a great idea <laughs> oh because i i definitely have been like maybe just because of the eternal winter this year uh, but I've definitely been having that feeling sometimes of getting home from rides and been like, I'm tired. And why did I do that to myself? Why do I make myself hurt so much and be so cold? And then, like, someone's like, oh, we're going to go for a bike ride today. And I'm like, okay. Let's <laughs> right, right, go for a bike ride. Yeah, sounds great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the thing about this winter, too, is that uh, it's been pretty mild, but it's like, it's, it's that annoying kind of, it's like when I used to live in Nashville, and sometimes people here would be like, oh, it must be nice in the winter. And it's like, well, actually, it's pretty – well, actually, there I go. Uh, but it's – you know, it's it's actually – the problem is that it's still cold enough to be miserable, uh, and it tantalizes you. The tantalizing factor. And so, Absolutely. And so it still sucks. It's still – and it's – you know, it's wet. And, and so if you do get anything coming out of the sky, it inevitably is wet, and, and it sucks – uh and it's windy and and so it's still just about as bad because honestly if it's like if it's like 20 degrees but dry and sunny like whatever you're fine like it's not gonna be that bad but yeah i mean it's it's the wetness that kills me it's it's just like the the snow melts and the clouds and and the thing that it's like if you give me a, a day where you tell me to go ride and it's 27 degrees but everything is dry i don't care if there's snow everything's dry i'm like yeah okay i'll do that yeah, but it's like when I'm getting soaked, 
because I'm riding through like constant puddles and snow melt and it's still like 34 degrees, that's <laughs> when it's like, mm-mm. Yeah. No. Nope. Exactly. Oh, that's totally worse. I think people don't get this. this. This is the worst part about riding in, in yeah, in like a northern winter. It's not the fact, like, hey, you think, oh, 30, you know, 35 degrees, that's pretty tall. Well, no. If it's 35 degrees and it snowed like three days ago, you're just drenched in 32 degree water at yep. 35 degrees. Yep. You're like, ah. Your ride. This puddle that I thought was one inch was actually closer to six inches, and now my leg warmers are soaked up to the knee. Excellent. Not, not yes. only have I had the pleasure of a bunch of those rides recently, including a race, um, but <laughs> but that weather <laughs> also killed my power meter. Oh, yeah, it also destroys bike equipment. I mean, I, I was on a ride uh, yesterday that actually was, like, relatively pleasantly warm, but because of the recent snowstorm, had so much melt and so much of that just, like, soaking water that i think we were like 15 miles from home and my drivetrain started to make this like awful grinding noise every time it got hit with a large puddle <laughs> it was uh, just like no no more do not want i will break <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to go back soon and do like the whole bb30 ritual of of like pull off the crank pull out the adapter grease the shit out of every like clean it off grease the shit out of everything put it back and like tight and just like hope <laughs> like oh and maybe it won't click when i get out of the saddle now it's just like anytime like you you're like oh i finally solved it and then you ride through a puddle and it's like click 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 <laughs> like, no it's the worst it's just the yep. worst That's i worse. you know what the dudes who like the dudes who invented bb30 must live in southern california <laughs> that's it that's what happened that explains it oh jerks exactly <laughs> It's freaking Californians. <laughs> I hate them. And then they have the nerve to complain that it's like 50 degrees and, and rainy. Like, like I'll show ass. you 50 degrees and rainy by showing you 34 degrees and rainy. 34 degrees and rainy is literally the worst weather ever invented. I, so so I, raced, I raced two weeks ago, uh, I think. Was it three at this point? In 34 degrees and, and raining. And it was only like a 90 minute long race. Um... And, <laughs> and that's long enough to kill you. It is. It is. And but for the most part, like I thought that like everything was fine. I mean, occasionally I lost feeling in my hands. But what I would do, I would make fists and wring the cold water out of my gloves, Ugh. and then I would get the feeling back into my hands. And so I thought everything was like kind of good, and I raced pretty well. Um, and as soon as I stopped racing, as soon as I stopped racing. My body started shutting down, and like I was too cold to figure out how to take my wet kit off, and that's I was shivering. It was just like all that stuff, you know. Like you think you're okay until you're suddenly not. Yeah, that's the collegiate. That's the collegiate like teammates stripping each other yeah. out of their kit in the back of the van scenario. Oh yeah, I re I remember so many of those scenarios of like we'd get back into the van and just like you know out of context sounds really sexy but not at all no nope, not even a and little it's just bit like <laughs> literally just like taking clothes off of each other and i remember my my teammate um if you like wrinkly Marie, goose right flesh there. yes yeah it's very like, sexy Marie came back from uh one of those collegiate events and she was so cold that she just oh, like got in the van and couldn't move and just like held her hands up and we were like trying to like peel her gloves yeah. off of her fingers and she's just like like literally like dying in front of us yeah Ugh. oh yeah and then i'm sure then she had the very pleasant experience of when the blood comes back into your fingers mm. and, and literally <clears throat> just like remembering just like stripping her naked and like throwing a bunch of like towels over her and like spare clothes and she's just like curled up in a seat in the car just like shivering violently <laughs> Oh, my. Ugh. I, I, but I remember that feeling and it's just like it's so awful because like you get back to the car and you're like you know in a non-collegiate scenario when you're just you in the car by yourself and you're like <laughs> I'm, so, so sad. I'm so I'm cold it is a little sad but you're like I'm so cold but taking off all my clothes and being naked in this cold car sounds awful but everything is awful right now and you're just like paralyzed for a moment you're like is this my life? Is this the rest of my how, life is how, it just going to be this cold and awful? How do I get out of this situation? And you're also like it's clammy, so all like the Ugh. like grit and sand on like your car seat is like sticking to your ass. Your and then you're trying to like pull your clothes off, and and like the steering wheel is in your crotch, and you're just like, God <laughs> damn it! 
Yeah. Oh. You guys no don't have to suffer the indignity good. of trying to get a soaked sports bra off of yourself while also trying to retain a modicum of <laughs> right of not flashing of not everyone. flashing everyone. I mean, like when it gets as cold as we're talking about, you just don't fucking care and you just go for it. Mm-hmm. But in most other scenarios, you're like trying to maneuver a towel over your chest. And you're just like, I have to get this soaked awfulness off of me somehow. But god damn it, someone's right next to my car. I find it difficult enough to to uh, change in a car seat and not flash people like my downstairs area. So I, I, you know, it's even more difficult when you're trying not to flash your upstairs and your downstairs. No, I get it. I get it. You've got like you've got a duplex situation going on there. It's it's a lot of complicated towel maneuvering. It's, it's like and, a it's like a two family home of please don't look at me. <laughs> please, don't, that's, the best, <laughs> that's the best one liner I've heard all month. <laughs> And uh, we have a nice two-family home here of please don't look at me. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually, I have to say, I may prefer taking off the gross wet clothes to attempting to change in a car when it's 95 degrees out in New York City and trying to put on a skin suit. Oh, God. (laughs) Because you're immediately coated in sweat and you've got a towel over yourself to try and at least make it so you're not exposing yourself to the neighborhood you get, around you. you and you're get trying your skin to suit halfway up your thighs and it just suit. sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and you come out and like the skin suit, like the, the sleeve is over your elbow and you're just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> and you try and like readjust yourself and you're like breathing hard. Cause you're like, it was 120 <laughs> degrees in my car just now. <laughs> it's like, maybe should I have just like lubed up my thighs with chamois cream? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, <laughs> That is, that is one of my the great hatreds of my life is trying to put on a skin suit or bib shorts when it is very very hot outside and you're oh, I ruined, in an enclosed space. I ruined a Castelli San Remo speed suit that way. Like I, yeah, I it, it was it was Tennessee. Yeah, it was Tennessee, and it was May, and it was you know ninety degrees, and I was pulling on the skin suit, and uh, I grabbed a handful and, and pulled and. My hand went up and the skin suit didn't. Yep. yep. And that was that. I was like, oh, it's a good thing I bought a spare kit because I am no longer presentable <laughs> in this one. Yep. So, yeah, good times. Ah, those are the, the good old days. It uh, can still happen. Yep. Oh, weather. It's fun. Uh, why do we ride bikes again? Uh, I know. We, we, we love discussing how awful it is. And then we're like, let's do it again. <laughs> yes. Well, I think it's been well established that we we are crazy. Yeah, we are crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm really ready to get like get past into the get past kind of the gross like is it spring yet part of spring and into the like it is spring and because I live in the northeast now and not in the south, uh, I can look forward eventually once it gets nice to like two to three months of like solid comfortable riding weather. I am definitely looking forward to that. That would be nice. That is that is the thing that that you know, I I pity you guys in the South because you might think, oh sure, well at least it doesn't get as cold as it does in the Northeast. Ah no, but if you're in Nashville, Tennessee, for example, you get to May and it's like ninety degrees and eighty percent humidity and you want to die. You have maybe two weeks of nice weather, whereas here, from pretty much. Uh, May through July, most of the time, it's like, it's nice. It's amazing. Highly recommended. Agreed. Highly recommended. Well, uh, we should probably start to wrap it up. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I don't know, any closing thoughts? I'm going to give us another little wide-angle podium booster, but... Uh, so I, I have a I have a, a closing thought. I, I would like to officially announce that I am I'm going on sabbatical for the time being. Oh. Um which I know very sad for honest bicycle program listeners, but I will be back at some point. Um but you know, I'm going to be taking my sabbatical to learn the German art of yak combing. Oh. <laughs> well, fill me in on that. Uh <laughs> I've always wanted to know more about yak combing. It's very complicated. Francis, we, we really appreciate your service. Uh, your uh, your Rolex is in the mail uh, <laughs> to celebrate your, I don't know, 16 months of, 18 months. I don't know. How long have we been doing this thing? A while. A while. A good, good old chunk of time to commemorate your period of service. 
And we look forward to having well, you, you know. come out of retirement for a glorious return. I oh, shall. Well, yeah. I shall. We hope, we hope it'll be soon, but take your time. And yeah, we'll, we'll obviously miss having you. I know, I know our many listeners will miss having you on the show. So uh, I, I will miss those listeners as well. So yeah, do do your thing and and the yaks uh, need you. just keep watching the keep watching the skies. Yep, keep yeah. watching the skies for signs of Francis returning to Honest Bicycle Program. <laughs> yes. So we'll <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that. All right. So on that sad note, uh, go to Wide Angle Podium. By the way, that's what we're on WideAnglePodium.com. Uh, become a member WideAnglePodium.com slash donate. It helps us out. Helps us keep going. And uh, yeah, and. You know, send your uh, direct your correspondence to Francis and and tell her to uh, enjoy her enjoy her R and R, but not to forget about us. I shall not forget. Okay, uh, so Don't you on that note, I've been Greg. I've been Francis, and this is Matteo. And this has been the On Spicycle Program. Good night. Don't, 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 don't you do, do, forget, forget about, about me. Don't you. All right. <laughs> I don't know any of the words of that song except for Don't You Forget About Me. That's, are there are words to that I song? I don't think I do either. Don't you forget about me. Stand above me Look my